Well, hello, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. And today I have special guest Colt Milton on the line. Colt is, he is a bodybuilder. He is a bodybuilder similar to myself. He's been doing ketogenic dieting now for a while. He's doing a cut right now with a ketogenic approach. He has done traditional bro dieting approaches in the past. We dive into his experience with bodybuilding. We talk about eating disorders, how traditional bodybuilding approaches can often lead itself to eating disorders. So we talk about how he's overcome that. We also dive into his many different business endeavors. He is, in light of the pandemic and the total shutdown of gyms, he basically set out to create his own weights, his own dumbbells, and he calls them skull bells because they're in the shape of a skull. And they're super cool. He made them himself. He sent me some. I've been using them. I love them. So I wanted to kind of give him a shout out here and just dive into his story, what he's learned in business, just talk about what he's working on. So very cool guy, very cool story. Hope you enjoy the conversation with Colt Milton. And Colt, we are live. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderfully, wonderfully well. I'm excited to get you on the show, man. You reached out to me on Instagram, I guess a couple months now, and we had a pretty similar story as far as just our, our upbringing, kind of how we got into bodybuilding in the first place, some of our, you know, journey through nutrition, eating disorders, all that good stuff. And then shortly thereafter, you sent me this box. And I opened this box up not knowing what to expect. And there was like these two massive 25-pound dumbbells in the shapes of skulls. And I've been rocking those in the gym now. So I want to dive into your business. I want to dive into your story. I want to dive into all that. But before we do, just kind of give me some background, man. Let the listeners know a little back-end story on you. Sure. Yeah. On, on a subject of bodybuilding or on the subject of. Yeah. Yeah. Just like what got you into bodybuilding in the first place, man. Let's start at the beginning. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, yeah. Thanks. Um, glad that you like the package that, that we sent you. Um, wanted to get those over to you just first off as, as a, as a thank you really just because of all the content that you put out for free, man. I'm like, geez, this guy puts out his macros. He puts out his training programs. He puts out, everything out there and uh, a lot of coaches just feel like they need to monetize everything like that so um, i've just had nothing but respect for you appreciate that man for your podcast and your brand and everything man and uh, i've just really learned a lot uh, from your book and from your podcast um everything man all your content so you've been a big inspiration to me in a big way and yeah i just wanted to um, i guess send a token of gratitude your way too not to mention the keto bricks, loving those. Um, just got our next, just got our second variety pack. So, nice, um, nice. yeah, and I'm not even the one that's eating most of them. It's mostly our kids. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that they like them, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on the on on all that all that good stuff in quotation marks, good stuff because you mentioned eating disorders as all that good stuff, and that's definitely not all that good stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's something that. Um, unfortunately is uh, part of a lot of people's lives um, and not just women. I don't know why there's this stigma around it that it's more of like a woman's thing than it is a man's thing, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people that struggle with it and that go through it. And it's, it's one of those things where once you have that problem, it's really, really hard to get away from it um, like any stronghold. And for me, that was something that um, I, I think that I've really had this issue my whole life, you know, um, to go to, to, to get into what the cause and the root issue of it is, has taken a lot of self-reflection and a lot of self-awareness, a lot of self-discovery, 
um, a lot of soul searching, whatever you want to call it, to um, find, you know, why does, why does this happen? And the gentleman that you um, interviewed on the podcast that you released this morning, I forget the guy's name. Seth. Seth, man, uh, that guy's, that guy's story really resonated with me in a lot of ways because I could relate to every single thing that he was talking about on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that, you know, what, what that's looked like for, for my journey is it really became more of a problem when I started bodybuilding. Um, bodybuilding was great because it helped me move past a lot of personal issues that I had before. So all things considered, um, being involved in the sport, in the sport of bodybuilding has been a net win. Um, but it did really expose the, uh, my relationship with food and, uh, I, my whole life I've always had a really big appetite, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, ever since I was a kid, like, um, it was, it was like, it, it would be, it would be normal. Like in high school, it would be normal for me to eat just like an entire box of donuts and just like think nothing of it. And then I would go for a run after I would go to hockey practice after. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and feel fine. Like my stomach was fine. And I don't know if it, things change as you get older or what I'm like, man, I'm 27 or 28 years old. I always forget which year it is because the number changes every year. Um, but, or maybe, maybe it's having kids or something, man, but, um, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so, uh, so what, what get, I mean, was it just bodybuilding in general that, that kind of started the eating disorders or was that something that came as a result of the competition prep or, or how that kind of manifest itself? Yeah. So I, I think that, I, I think that what, what happened is over is, is, is over time and coming up to my body, my first bodybuilding competition, First of all, I was really underprepared because I didn't have a coach. And so I didn't have anybody to hold me accountable to any kind of diet. Mm-hmm. And then I was going through all these YouTube videos and doing all this research myself to try to figure out how to go about dieting for a contest prep. And basically I was going off of Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, The, the Bodybuilding Encyclopedia, mm-hmm. which is where everybody starts. And it's amazing. It just doesn't go into a whole lot of detail as far as what dieting down for a show looks like and it it's not really um descriptive and specific enough to what happens to you hormonally as you get that close to a show especially if you're natural because mm-hmm. uh, there's very few bodybuilders in that book that are natural which i had no idea until after i had spent more time in the industry like i would I, I literally thought everybody was natural like when i was reading that book i don't know if you thought the same thing yeah, it's um, definitely uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot of unknowns when the sport of bodybuilding. A lot, a lot of people using stuff that do not disclose they're using stuff. Yeah, and and you can get mad at guys like that, but I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of glad that I was naive and I didn't know because because that just set that, that it just motivated me in a big way. So totally. Anyway, yeah, I read read the book and then uh, read, read a couple other books and spent some time on YouTube trying to find um, the best way to go about dieting, and uh, I was really excited about the idea of if it fits your macros, um, flexible dieting and being able to eat whatever I want, as long as I track everything. So I tried doing that, but I also didn't realize, um, the hormonal things that happen. And, you know, there's a lot more that happens when you eat something that's highly processed and highly palatable, um, as opposed to eating something that's nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. And these are things that I was kind of unaware of going into the prep. So I went into the prep, um, 
eating um, as little as possible and doing as much cardio as possible, trying to get lean enough. In my first competition, like I was kind of embarrassed on stage. Like I really wasn't stage ready. Um, when, the guy, when was the first show? First show was four years ago. And you've been training for how long at that point? Um, I had been training weights since I was seeing 28 years old now. And so I've been training weights for about probably 12 or 13 years, um, mm -hmm. sometimes on and off here and there, but I was training weights more or less for sports and for hockey. And, you know, we didn't really know, we certainly weren't bodybuilding training. Like I didn't even know how to work my back, you know, like we would do biceps and bench press and maybe squats sometimes. And that was pretty much it. Um, and so that was, that, that was for up until three or four years before my first competition. Um, then just started doing some general weight training with some local guys at the gym. And after that, um, once I read the book, I learned how to train for an actual bodybuilding show and how to literally work every single muscle. So, mm -hmm. um, so that was about four years ago. And then, yeah, up until the show, it, um, the, the, the relationship with food just got worse and worse. And then um, I think the worst thing, was the idea and the concept around cheat days. Um, it's because I'd heard, a, I'd heard from a lot of influencers. It seems to be the popular thing on, 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 on Instagram right now. And I think this is something that you said in like one or two episodes ago on one of your podcasts, but um, the, the, the thing, the trend that's really popular is to have the best physique that you can um, and to be as, as lean as you can and to, and, and to brag and to showcase what you can get away with in terms of your diet. Mm -hmm, like I'm eating this. So, yeah. And so, so I, I kind of fell into that trap and, and I, and I go, wow, like you can, you can, eat, you, you know, you can have a cheat day and you can, um, you know, you can, you can go all out and, um, and, and, and still have a physique. Well, yeah, I mean, like you probably can technically, but what does that do to you psychologically? And then now you're just waiting for that next that next cheat day and now you're looking at food as not so much as food, but as more of, uh, it's, it's more, it's more pleasure than it is uh, fuel and something that nourishes your body and something that's going to make you a better athlete. So that was a bit of a disconnect that I had going into my first competition. And then that manifested itself in the form of repeated binge eating and then eating so much to the point I would get sick to my stomach and even throw up or make myself throw up just so I can feel better. Um, and this is something that I'm extremely ashamed of, but, uh, yeah, no, you could, you could say that it should have been diagnosed as a full blown eating disorder. Um, and then this continued into the off season because I didn't even know what a reverse diet was. I know it's something that you do with all of your clients is coaching through a reverse diet. And that's mm -hmm. something you and I are both very passionate about in the sport is that all of our clients, my clients, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm not going to coach you through a competition, I'm going to coach you up and then up, up through the competition, but then we're only halfway done by the time you step on stage. Cause then we're going to take a reverse diet, which is going to take approximately the same amount of time as the diet going into the show to, to get, to get you healthy again and to, and to get you back to, um, to work to where you should be hormonally and to um, help your metabolism get back to a good level. Yeah. That's so, so important. Yeah. So that was the first year. And the second year I went in again without a coach and came in with a better physique, did a couple shows, um, but still had this problem, man. It was bad. 
So at that point, my wife and I look at each other and we're like, okay, I need to hire a coach. So I hired uh, Alfred Rauf. He's an IPE pro and got third place at Worlds a couple years ago. Um, and this is somebody that lives right down the road for me. And so he and I started off with a great relationship. And he, the first thing that he, that he said, I, to, I told everything and disclosed everything, gave him all the details of what I was going through. Um, I've been thankful to have a supportive wife and an understanding wife because she had um, dealt with some food issues throughout her life. Nothing as bad as what I did. But um, again, you know, it's just something that pretty much everybody goes through. Um, certainly in the world of bodybuilding, all of my clients have had issues with it. Um, coming into contest preps and something that we always want to, um, you know, talk about and be on the same page with going in. Um, but having the first thing that my coach told me was, he goes, you need to cut sugar out of your diet. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, but all these people on YouTube, and he's like, I don't care what all those people say on YouTube. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a drug. And there's studies where they have rats that are addicted to crack cocaine. Like, why would they make rats addicted to crack cocaine? Oh, that's kind of weird. But they would <laughs> rats that were addicted to crack cocaine, they gave them a choice of sugar or cocaine. And once they discovered sugar, they became more addicted to the sugar and they turned that over the crack cocaine. So um, I didn't realize um, how addictive it was and how, um, and how detrimental that could be, certainly in the context of um, trying to consume as little as possible. And so he coached me with a reverse diet out of my second year of competing. And then going into my third year, um, he and I talked every single day and I would call him literally when I, whenever I was craving something um, that I shouldn't be eating. And it's been years now since I, since I've had that issue and uh, you know, I'm by no means perfect, right? We're all a work in progress, but um, that was, but having, having a coach and having somebody hold me accountable and, um, help and help me to um, discern what the right information is and what is just pure marketing and how to have a, a health first approach to it um, was something that I really needed. And that's ultimately what pulled me out of that, out of that stronghold. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's kind of dicey territory, man. Like you get, you get deep into a competition prep, you start depleting yourself, you start sacrificing some of your comfort foods and you feel deprived. And if you don't have that healthy relationship with food, whenever that, you know, finish line, quote unquote, is crossed and there's no more competition looming, it's it's very easy to just totally go off the rails, go off the deep end and overly indulge on things that you know are not leading to your overall betterment. Um, and, you know, sugary sweets, carbohydrates, particularly being the, the main the main weapon of choice there. But uh, yeah. it, is, it is sad, man. It's sad that, you know, that is that's put on a pedestal and people yearn for that more so than, you know, a much more healthy uh, yearning. And for me, like when I switched over and did like full-blown ketogenic competition preps, I just removed that as an option. And like I think, I think doing a keto approach and then allowing that carbohydrate, you know, meal post-show is probably one of the worst things you can do, at least for me. Because then it's like, it's just, it's just, there's, there's no barriers. There's no boundaries. There's no uh, regulation there. And it, it becomes like, if you don't have some type of regulatory, you know, system set in place that you hold yourself accountable to, it becomes very, very murky because then you just find yourself deviating tremendously and it becomes very easy to stand for nothing and then go off the deep end 
eat a ton of food that you shouldn't and have like this very negative recourse from a psychological standpoint that makes it very easy to deviate again and again and again. 100%. It is crazy, man. That The human psychology, when you're in a competition prep and hormones are affected, you're in a deficit, calories are down, there's a lot of a lot of things that, that are working against you there. Um, so talk about the accountability factors. Though. He, would, he would call you, you would call him on a regular basis whenever you would feel compelled to to go off off track and how long did that that relationship kind of keep you afloat yeah so pretty much all the communication that we had was things other than training he would help me with my training but i really needed help with the with the nutrition and 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 with and with being healthy and having a healthy holistic lifestyle Um, we would even go so far as to pray together before a competition which is uh, kind of funny and actually a lot of people that 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 know me have an issue with this because i'm a christian and he's a muslim (laughs) so we have yeah so we have very 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 different ideas about who god is um but we would but like we we would do that so he'd help me he would help me with my spiritual life and in terms of like how to pray and when to pray um and just the fact, and really just the fact that we were doing it together, um, we would, he would, he would help me with ways to incorporate my training, like around my family. So like, for example, running, um, he's not a fan of running as like his primary source of cardio. So he re- he really doesn't recommend running, um, as, as his go-to, but he goes cold for you. He's like, you can take your son out and go for a jog and get out in the sun. I know you that you love the sun. So, um, if it's something that you enjoy and if you can feel your stress hormones going away when you're doing that, and if you can sleep better as, as a result, then that's a net win. So he would coach me on stuff like that. And yeah, like when I, like I, w- I would literally call him like, dude, like I'm craving donuts right now, or dude, <laughs> I'm, I'm going into a grocery store. Like, uh, like, can we just talk about the Seahawks or something? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and like, I, I would literally just be on the phone with him. And I, I would be on the phone with my wife too, kind of, if I couldn't get a hold of him. But just going into a grocery store because, like, that's a place where I could make a dis- that I, I could make a decision that would uh, that would set me forward or that would set me back um, drastically because it's not just that one time. You know, it's like is 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 eating something that doesn't fit in your diet one time going to affect how you look on stage. No, it's not going to affect you at all how you look on stage, but that simple error and judgment compounded over time will inevitably destroy your results. So that's what I was trying to avoid. 100%. Uh, it's pretty yeah, awesome I mean, that, that you reached out to him and, and proactively went about getting this accountability partner though, because so many people, especially like male competitors who just, assume they're supposed to be all macho macho and not have any weaknesses like to be able to to have the self-worn to say hey look i've got an issue with this i need to have an accountability you know partner that you know hold me accountable and make sure that i i don't deviate and go off track i think that speaks well of you for sure yeah yeah i think it's a pride issue for a lot of people yeah and that was something i had to look in the mirror with and just come to grips with so what what about the actual like the the main nutrition for your prep like were you following like a traditional bro dad approach to the the prep or were you doing something different? Yeah, it actually it, it actually was a bro diet. I didn't start doing I, I didn't start the ketogenic diet until I was, I'd done it before a while ago, but I didn't really do it right. Didn't really give myself enough time to get adjusted to it, and it was just kind of a crash diet going into my one of my shows before 
actually having a coach. And so I didn't really feel like I gave it the attention that it deserved, mm-hmm. but I was on the ketogenic diet long enough to remember, okay, like I had my workouts where I felt great and my mental clarity was just the roof. It was amazing. And so it was always kind of in my back pocket of something that I wanted to do again, or at least try again. And I even remember thinking, gosh, if it wasn't for bodybuilding, I would be keto all the time because I felt like I just needed carbs to be able to work out. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like carbs to be able to fill out and everything. And like I would be stringy and flat if I didn't have them because I was always stringy and flat when I wasn't on carbs. Um, but that's only, but that's until you get keto adapted because when you're, when you get keto adapted for a long enough time, as you know, and as you teach, you, your, your starts filling out your glycogen stores more efficiently without it because it just comes to a point where it's like, all right, we're not going to get carbs anymore anyway. So we need to get more creative with how to, um, with how to produce more glycogen and more. Mm-hmm. more. So it, there's a whole process, scientific process for how that goes about happening, which I have no idea how that works, <laughs> but I know that it works <laughs> um, because yeah, the, the last few months now I've been strictly keto and actually for the most part, 100% carnivore. I've eaten hardly any plants. I went months without fiber. I've had hardly any fiber, which is funny because people are like, "How do you, how do you go to the bathroom? How do you take care of business?" And I'm like, "Really? Like that? Like not, not, not what's your training look like? Not what's your diet look like? But how often you go to the bathroom? Like that's what that's what your question is." <laughs> yeah, all the important yeah. things, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so, so the keto carnivore diet has certainly been the most enjoyable diet, the most simple diet. Because um, when we were bro, when we were bro dieting, dude, every Sunday was just meal prep. Like that's all we did. Everything had to be weighed out and calculated to the T. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I would literally take an entire Sunday doing that. So we made so we started a meal prep company. We were like, okay, we're getting so good at doing this. All of our food tastes so good, and all of my clients, um, you know, most of my clients are people that. If, if, if they can afford training services and they're busy professionals, so they don't have the time to cook, but they can afford to pay somebody to cook for them. So we started meal prepping for all, for all of our clients and had a business. We called it PNW paleo. Everything that we did was paleo food. And so it was all, it was all healthy. No, no rice, no grains or anything. Like, can you, can you do rice? Now you got to go to this meal prep company. If you want that, we do sweet potatoes. That's your carb source, you know, cause mm-hmm. that's pretty much what you're limited to on, on the paleo diet. Um, so we did that for a while and yeah, like literally every Sunday was just full blown meal prep from when we got up to when, to when we went to bed and we would like try to catch, we, we would, if, if we could ever get to church, it was like a luxury. Um, we would just like have football on throughout the day. And, um, I mean, that's pretty much what we did. And, um, you know, throughout the rest of the week, it was nice because all of our meals are prepped, but now being keto and carnivore, it's like man, one of the nicest things about the ketogenic diet is you just have basically one less macronutrient to keep track of, you know? Yeah, that's, like, that's so huge. It made yeah, like, total, seriously. you know, ease of thinking because there's just one less variable to fool around with. And when it comes to the meal yeah. prep, for, for one, you don't have to have six, seven meals a day. You can have, you know, one or two meals a day and yeah. you don't have another macronutrient to fool around with. So, like, it's it's just simple. Yeah, when, when you take glucose out of your diet, you become so much less dependent on it and so much less dependent on the frequency that you need that you need food. So like fasting becomes easy. I just fast out of convenience right now. Like I'm eating one meal a day and, and, and I feel great and I have energy throughout the whole day. And it's not even because 
I don't, it, it, and, and it's, it's not, it's not even because I'm trying to cut or anything. It's really just because I don't have time to do it throughout the day, doing a startup company and, um, have, and have, have a, have a couple, have a couple businesses on the side and, and have got, got a wife, kids and church and Bible studies and relatives coming over and traveling. And it's like, man, like I, I can't eat six meals a day. I can't do the standard bro diet right now. So when you take carbs out of the equation your, your body just becomes way more flexible i feel way more flexible as far as when my when my meals are and if everybody's going out for lunch great i'll go out to lunch and i'll eat and i'll have a you know a burger without the bun or something and then um still stay on track with everything that i, that I need to and uh, i feel i feel like you have a lot more leeway with the ketogenic diet yeah that's for sure i feel like like if you're in a sustainable like if you're not dieting up for a competition if you're doing like just a maintenance surplus you know lifestyle approach to it and you go out to eat you just keep it keep it clean keep it carnivore uh or keto you know take the bun off the burger i feel like you're hedging your risk for any downside negative adverse effects because it's like i feel like the human body the volatility with unknown foods unknown macros and just the likelihood of you having a negative response is significantly heightened when carbs are part of that equation if you take out the carbs and you just keep it meat-based then the likelihood that you're going to have an extremely adverse response to the foods that you don't track because you're going out to eat is significantly minimized yeah not gone but significantly minimized because mainly calories I and mean, if you cut out if you cut out carbs you're by default going to probably be in a calorie deficit so if you cut out carbs and then the and then the insulin too, that's the other big thing. If you if you can if you can lower your insulin, then you can you can still store fat without insulin. Some people like to say that you can't, but like you definitely can. But like if you take insulin out of the equation, you yeah, drastically minimize and you can get away with a lot more. Insulin is is a huge factor for sure. And there's still insulin in the body, obviously. Like insulin's not a bad thing if your body's you know, using it properly and you don't have this massive insulin dump like you're going to get with high glycemic index carbohydrates. But I feel like with regard to removing it as a macronutrient and just keeping things simple, that's one less thing that your brain has to focus on. It's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of people in business, for instance, that remove like the, uh, I forget, totally drawn a blank here, but when you wear the same clothes every day or similar clothes every day because it's one less decision you have to make at the beginning of the day and the less decision fatigue you have, the more opportunity you have to excel in any aspect that you're trying to excel at. And the same is true with your nutrition. So if you remove that variable of the macronutrient, you remove all the volatility there, there's more opportunity for you to excel in the things that matter. And I feel like you know, some people need a lot more variety than others. Me personally, I'm a creature of habit. I don't need a whole bunch of variety. I would prefer to keep it simple, keep it clean, keep it streamlined and then be able to dial in and optimize for the other variables that I, I want to control. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're, especially if you're cutting, if, if you're cutting the, the simpler you can keep everything. And the, even if you can intentionally eat the same food every day for me, I, I find that that's the, it's just like you said, just one less decision. Especially and if it's eat- from nutrient dense sources, you know, like, like most meats are, if you're getting it from a good quality source, you get some organ meats in there every once in a while, get some whole eggs. I mean, you can totally keep it the same meal every day without having to really cover, without having to miss anything. You're pretty much set with just that. Yeah. Especially if you're eating things like bone broth too, the amount of nutrients that are in that and how filling it is. And like, I just feel great after it. I'm like, wow, like that was like hardly any calories and like I'm not stuffed, but just like satisfied. 
are you in a deficit right now? Are you doing like a, an OMAD? Uh, you're, not, you're not cutting for a show or anything, are you? Uh, I'm not cutting for a show. I'm, I'm doing something kind of similar to what you did. You, you were cutting for a show that got canceled and you're like, screw it. I, I already had my heart set on this. And I, I, I already wanted to see if I could beat my own physique, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do it, doing with a, with a, with a strict keto approach. Um, because that would have been your first show w- with a strict keto approach, right? If I remember correctly. No, my, my 2017 season was all keto. Oh, sorry. Okay. So, um, yeah, this, this was my, I just wanted to see if I could get, if I could get lean, retain muscle with a strict keto approach. And we're also doing a series of, uh, transformations for our business, for our skull bells, uh, dumbbells and curl bars. So basically everything that I'm doing right now is either with body weight or with the products that we have made and that we sell. And I'm showing a transformation that's possible without having to go to the gym, without having to lift heavy and without having to use all the machines. So there's me and then we have a team, a handful of clients that have different goals, different backgrounds, different training styles, and some people that have literally never trained before. And this is what we call it team skull bells. So this is the team that we're uh, working with on the, on these transformations. So I'm one of the team members myself. I'm making myself one of the guinea pigs because I'm going to have other people do this and I need to make sure I do it myself. Um, so it's been tempting to not do deadlifts and to not do heavy squats or anything. Uh, so yeah, right now I'm in a calorie deficit um, with no shows in the near future and I don't even want to get shredded. I just wanted to lose 10 pounds. I'm about halfway done with that right now. Uh, and yeah, the keto, the ketogenic diet has been great for that because I've felt the least hungry during this, d- during this. And I actually don't have a coach right now because, uh, my coach doesn't really, uh, do the keto diet and he's moving on with real estate and, um, with some other things in his life. So right now I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take some time to, um, to start to study more, more of the keto diet and do some experimentation and, uh, see what works and what doesn't. And yeah, so far, like it's, it's crazy. Like I never thought I would get muscle pumps without carbs, but I'm getting great pumps, really, really good pumps. Um, not having any BCAAs before or during my workout, which I thought that you like needed. Otherwise you would for sure lose all your gains. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the beauty of it, man. Like you don't have to have all the crazy supplementation. Like my supplementation is, is very, very minimal. Um, I'm basically just vitamin D and creatine and so that it's, it's more cost effective in that regard. You get great pumps. You don't have the water retention, um, so you you have much less water in your subcutaneous layer of skin, which is going to have a more revealing effect of the muscle that you do have. So you actually get better pumps, thinner skin, more vascularity. I mean, I feel there's a lot of benefits that come strictly from an aesthetic standpoint that people don't really take into consideration. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like, okay, you take the keto diet and take the bro diet and, comp- and compare them side by side, which is better for bodybuilding. Okay, we could sit here and, and, and debate this all day, but even if – the way I look at it is even if the keto diet was not as good as a bro diet um, on paper, I still think the ketogenic diet would win or the keto carnivore diet, whatever you want to call it, the, the, way, the way I'm approaching it, the way that you, the way you're approaching it, just because of the things that we've already talked about, which is like the decision fatigue. And you get an entire day of your week back that you're not meal prepping <laughs> Uh, and, and the simplicity of it. And if you have more time to sleep or more time to train and more time to 
do the things that you want to do, more time for your relationships. I was just listening on Mind Pump and they were saying that relationships are more important to your health than nutrition and, and, and your training combined. I don't know how true that is, but I know that relationships certainly are very important to your health. Um, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a net win when it comes down to it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's unfortunate because there's not a whole lot of any strict ketogenic bodybuilders that I'm aware of. Um, so there's not a whole lot of, you know, anecdotal evidence going into the media, going into the market, going into the community that people can see and compare and contrast that with a traditional dieting approach. Um, and I, I, I'm standing on the rooftops, you know, preaching my message, but I'm only one person. But I feel like when you when you take into consideration the summation of all the benefits that come from a ketogenic approach compared to a traditional bro dieting approach, you know, you have more flexibility. You get your you get more time back. It's much more time efficient. Um, there's there's definitely benefits from a psychological standpoint. From a hormonal standpoint, there's it's night and day um, because your dietary fat is going to be much higher. So there's a lot of unspoken benefits that I feel like need to be brought to the front of people's attention. Um, so it, it's cool for me to see people like yourself going through a cut, uh, having gone through cuts using a traditional bro dieting approach, transitioning to a ketogenic approach, and seeing the benefits, uh, you know, in more case studies than just myself because, and that just basically reassures the message is true. Yeah. And it, it all comes down to hormones too, you know, calories in calories out. Okay. Yeah. But when, when it comes to calories being expended, your hormones do have a lot to do with that. And you're going to make different decisions based on what's happening to you hormonally too. And that's going to affect your non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, your need. So if you're spending more, expending more calories as a result of that, then, you know, that's where hormones really do play a big part. And, not to open this can of worms because it's something that I don't know how you feel about talking about it, but I, I personally, I hate talking about it, the subject of natural versus enhanced because um, I tend to value my relationships in the gym. And whenever we get on this subject, there's just arguments and hurt feelings that come from it, <laughs> no matter how you go about doing it. So it's one of those things like religion and politics. It's like, ah, I try, try not to talk about it unless it's really applicable, but like, all right, like if we're going to be talking about the ketogenic diet and how it, affects you hormonally uh, we can't get away we, we can't get away with like we we, we know we don't, we don't um, use um exogenous testosterone we don't use steroids and so like those are those are things that you can yeah you can you can get you can get away with not having any fat in your diet but if you take that fat out and you're natural well then um, your hormones are just going to tank and you're really setting yourself up for failure yeah that's 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 very true i mean hormones are negatively affected if you're you know, doing a ketogenic diet, you're taking a bunch of steroids as well. But especially from the context of a natural athlete, if you have very minimal dietary fat, you're in a very low caloric standpoint. I mean, you're 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 gonna have a significant down regulation of your natural hormonal levels, and that's going to take some serious time to recover from. Um, and I mean, it's it's certainly not optimal, and I feel like a lot of that gets masked masked by a lot of exogenous hormones um but for me personally it's it, it is kind of a dicey topic but it's like you know what i got into this at the very beginning because i wanted to be the healthiest best version of myself and for me that means the healthiest best version of myself from a natural standpoint um if i put on an extra 20 pounds of muscle in a year because i opt to take steroids I may win in the short term, but I certainly wouldn't win in the long term. And I'm all about playing the long game. Yeah. 
yeah, me, me too, man. I'm glad that we're on the same page with that. And as long as, as long as we're talking about strongholds and um, things that are hard to talk about, let's just throw this out there too. But going, yeah, going into my first competition season wasn't related to anything to bodybuilding whatsoever. But um, I've dealt with something that a lot of people, have de- a lot, a lot of men have dealt this, dealt with their whole life. And you can edit this out of the podcast if you want, but. <laughs> Um, no, I had a, but I, I had a pornography problem for, for, for quite a while that I just couldn't get away from. And, um, that's, uh, and one, one of the root issues of that is, um, from a biological standpoint is testosterone, man. That's what gets your, that's what gets your brain in, in that area. And once, and once it's there, it's, uh, it's hard, it's hard to get away from it. It's hard to redirect your thought and your attention to, um, you know, away, away from, away from that it destroys relationships. Um, it's a horrible thing. And so going into my first competition, my, my testosterone actually got so low that I didn't that it wasn't even a temptation anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it actually killed that habit. So I attribute, I, 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 I attribute, um, not having that issue anymore to, um, to bodybuilding actually. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a, um, a unforeseen side effect, I guess, <laughs> you know, I, I would never have guessed that, but that makes sense. I mean, when, you, when you're super low from a hormonal standpoint, like that, that is not even on your radar. So if you go yeah, long I, enough without those urges and those cravings, then, I mean, it makes sense that you would be able to, to step away from them entirely. Oh yeah. And then, you know, six months, not six months, but four or five months after my first season of competing, you know, bedroom life got better and everything. My wife's happy again. And, you know, think we can, we can, Conceived, conceived our kids and so i mean obviously things were were better for me <laughs> um hormonally but yeah i mean since that since that habit um wasn't there anymore it's just um something that i was able to walk away from forever so i think too bodybuilding at least for me it's it allowed me to see what is possible when i pour myself into something that i feel very strongly about and you know just illustrate utmost dedication and consistency and because i saw that manifest itself with bodybuilding i I could then apply it to other areas of my life whether it be business um you know school i started bodybuilding and i was in in college still so my academic career um but just anything in general like you see the benefits and the fruits of your labor and you start applying that to other areas of your life and you realize that i can do anything i set my mind to and when you realize that it's like you don't even want to do things that you know aren't really contributing to your long-term success. And I would definitely put pornography in that category because it's not really benefiting your overall well-being. Um, so once you realize that you can accomplish anything you set your mind to, it, it becomes very motivating to set your mind to good things. Yeah. Yeah, that, that basically sums up the entire book, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Bodybuilding Encyclopedia and his autobiography too, because now it's like any challenge, just to your point, any challenge that I see, I just see a, a bench press with a bunch of weight on it. And I'm like, all right, it's just a matter of sets and reps, just a matter of sets and reps. And yeah, you can apply it to anything, business, relationships, um, everything sets and reps. 100%. We'll talk a little bit about your your business, man, Superset and, and the, the dumbbells, the skull dumbbells, like, like talk about all that supersetyourlife.com yeah so the concept of supersetting your life is taking something like bodybuilding and this is when i read the book actually i was inspired just to this general concept which is like okay um everything that you that, that you that you do if if it's um everything everything yeah 
any kind of challenge that you're um, that you're trying to overcome can be broken down into a matter of sets and reps, and you can pair them together similar to supersetting in the gym. So, as you know, a superset is when you take two exercises, either the same muscle group or opposite muscle groups. Let's use opposite muscle groups just for the sake of the analogy. You work one muscle, and then you work an antagonistic muscle that really doesn't have anything to do with the original muscle that's being worked. Uh, for whatever reason, they work together. And so, for example, if you do a set of bench press, which is Arnold's favorite superset, you would do a set of bench press, and you would go do a set of chin-ups. You'll be able to perform better doing chin-ups, even though it's a back exercise, just because you did bench press. And then when you come back and do bench press, you can lift more than if you would have just rested and, and, and done what's called a straight set. So with, with like not doing anything in between. Um, so this concept just really inspired me to think about, I'm a very metaphorical thinker. So I was thinking, hmm, how could I apply this to other areas of my life? And I noticed that whenever I finished a workout, I was always, I was always in a peak state. So that's the best time for me to spend some time with my family. That's the best time for me to write down some jokes because I do stand up comedy. Right. And so that's mm -hmm. the best time to be able to do something creative or have an important meeting. Cause I know that I'm going to be my sharpest when that happens. And I know it's, I know that I'm going to sleep better because I got my workout in. I'm going to sleep better because I had it because I had a, um, because I had a great meeting earlier in the day, or I'm going to feel great the rest of the day because I'm on this podcast with you, you know? So, um, no matter, no, 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 no matter, um, what, no matter what it is, I feel like everything works together. Your entire body is connected and everything that you do throughout the day is connected. And while on paper, it looks like the more that you add on to your plate, the more it would take away from everything else. But if you do it wisely and if you have positive rituals and positive habits and you get to, you get to, you get to know your body and you get to, you get to learn what works for you and what doesn't for you, you know, certainly you don't want to go into a gym and come out of the gym um, feeling like, feeling like you can't walk, you know, you want to come out of the gym feeling like you could do another set and like you have a little bit left in the tank, but you also want to push yourself and stretch yourself. So when it comes to other areas of life, um, I feel like, I feel like doing bodybuilding is my base. And then that makes me a better comedian. That makes me a better dad. That makes me a better business person. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole concept of supersetting your life. And so uh, we wanted to name our business supersetyourlife.com because it's a e-commerce based business. And so it's kind of like bodybuilding.com. Um, kind of, kind of the same idea as how the, um, the website is part of the name. So we figured that would be a, a good marketing move for that. Uh, and then skull bells. Yeah. The, so that's our, that's our product, right? Um, supersetyourlife.com is our brand centered around uh, personal training, living a healthy lifestyle, uh, positive uh, motivation, entertainment. That's what our podcast is all about. Um, but the, the, the product that happened when the pandemic started. So when the gyms are locked down and we realized that we couldn't go to the gym, we were like, uh, like I was gonna kill somebody if I couldn't go to the gym. You know, like I was yeah, gonna, totally get that, man. If I couldn't lift something, yeah. So I got creative and made these dumbbells with the shapes of skulls because I had a skull mold from one of my customers through where I work. That's a long story, but basically, I had the resources to be able to cast skulls out of concrete. Um, so I just used what I had, and I was like, all right, like I could either 
make my own weights and try to make them look like what you can find in the gym um, and make like a shitty version of something that's just normal and that you see every day anyway. Or I can get creative and make something kind of fun and different until this thing blows over thinking it was, it was only going to last a few weeks, right? That's what everybody thought when the pandemic started. Uh, so, I made, so I made my first pair and then sold them because, you know, I wasn't going to go buying a bunch of dumbbells and gym equipment because there was a 600% increase in the cost of used gym equipment, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Just the prices went through the roof on everything and, and, every, and everybody online was sold out. You couldn't get anything new from Rogue. Um, and so that, so we just started making all of our own weights and started selling them on offer up and realized there was a market for them there. And just one thing led to another and it kind of took off. So, um, hired a, excuse me, didn't, didn't, didn't hire a marketing guy. Uh, we partnered with a, with a marketing guy. He's one of the part owners of our, of our company, actually, his name's Bennett. Um, but he's a, um, real smart business guy, business planner, and somebody that helped me put together the big picture that we have now. Uh, we, we want these things to be in gyms all over the United States. You know, we want these to be in gyms all over, all over the world. And so we patented the product so that nobody would steal our idea. And hopefully that doesn't work because if somebody steals your patent across, um, over, overseas, it's very hard to enforce. Certainly if it's in China, it's like impossible to enforce, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is where we're sourcing a lot of our supplies from. So um, that might be interesting if they try to take our idea, probably nothing we can do about it then, because even if you, even if you enforce a patent and you win, it's millions of dollars just to enforce it, regardless of whether you win that lawsuit or not. Um, but anyway, they're protected the best that, that, we, that we, that we can have them right now. And uh, yeah, the, the benefits of the product, what makes it superior to like a traditional dumbbell is it has it, there's the cosmetic appeal obviously with the skull it's something fun something different um kind of like on it fitness how they have their their skull kettlebells and they're like it's like star wars kettlebells um so this is a this is a dumbbell and a curl bar but the way that the weight is distributed on the dumbbells is in a way that it incorporates more of the short bicep head so when you perform a curl and you twist the top, you actually will get a better bicep pump than if you just use a standard pair of dumbbells. So that's the other thing that we found out is we we're making these. And, uh, so that's stemming from the, the longer handle? Yep. That's why, that's why the handles are a little bit longer than dumbbells and what, like what you'll find in the gym. Are you still making these casts like at your own place? Um, no, not anymore because on paper, the profit is great. Like we, we make a lot of profit for the materials, but what you don't see is the amount of labor that goes into it. Um, Mm -hmm. you make them like $5 an hour (laughs) to make these, um, it's a lot of time and a lot of work. Yeah. So we, um, got a business mentor and, and got together with an engineer um, and all of us together, put our heads together. We have a lot of hands on deck right now that are, you know, helping make all this work. But, um, basically we're finding out how to, um, have everything pre-made with as little assembly as possible. So basically we'll be able to assemble these in a matter of, in a matter of a few minutes, uh, order once we have all the parts pre-made. So the cost so far from, from what I can see with all the math that I've done, looks like it'll be about the same. They're going to be made out of iron now instead of concrete. So they're going to be durable. Now we can actually sell them to commercial gyms. Um, 
and we're not going to have the crazy labor overhead that we that we would otherwise. So yeah, eventually we'll have to have a warehouseman and somebody to drive a forklift and somebody to drive to drive a truck back and forth from the import dock and everything. But um, for for at least our first few orders, probably going to be just stuff that I'm going to be able to do myself. I like it, man. Like those those two came in, and I was working out with them, and I like. I mean, it's it's unique for sure. Are are mine the concrete ones or they iron? Uh, yours are concrete, and I'm I'm flattered that you asked actually because that means that we must have done a good job getting the rubber coating and on and everything, and that they're well protected. So. Yeah, yeah, they've been holding up solid, man. I have no complaints, and they they look they just look cool. They look like something you're not gonna see in a typical gym. So anybody comes by and works out with me, it's like they automatically go to those first and pick them up and start <laughs> curling them because that's that's just the cool thing to do. Yeah. And you're you're making like dumbbells and easy curl bars now, right? Yeah, the easy curl bars came a little bit after. So we, um, I was trying to figure out how to how to make a curl bar because that was like the one one of the exercises, one of the muscle groups that was hard to hit at home. Um, you know, I could do, I, I could I could do I could do it with dumbbells, but you can only do so many dumbbell curls for it. Like, all right, like I need something something else, something heavier. Mm-hmm. So we went. So we're trying to find ways to make curl bars. And I was thinking of every way possible that I could bend a bar, just get it from a, like a steel supplier. It's, it's, it's just one, one inch hot rolled steel bar and trying to figure out how to bend these things. So we we're like trying to run over it with a forklift and we were trying to like <laughs> everything that we could to bend it and uh, went to Harbor Freight and got a bar bender mm. uh, or excuse me, a pipe bender. It's what plumbers use to bend pipes. Mm-hmm. So I got, got one of those and, uh, in my shop at home, I would get pre-cut, um, four foot bars, which is the same length as a curl bar at the gym. And then I would bend the bar, um, in every spot that it needed to be bent. And I used, um, a, just like a, a, another standard, um, curl bar as a prototype to be able to compare it to. And I just played around and bent one of these bars until I got it in the same shape of the, of the, of the easy curl bar. And then, and then, and then, and then when I got them looking the same, um, I just started mass producing these. And so we had to take out our first investment, which, uh, which for us was, it seemed like a lot of money because my wife and I really try to be debt free as much as possible, but we just like, didn't have the budget for the extra thousand dollar steel order at the time. So we made a list of all the parts that we needed to be able to make these curl bars um, bigger and to make them heavier so that we could have various weights. And so we could make them anywhere from 30 pounds to basically as heavy as you want. And the biggest one that we made so far was, was nine was 90 pounds. And these are all going to be imp- uh, parts for these are going to be imported too. We're not going to, uh, you know, we're not going to continue making these ourselves because of the time, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, but for our first, uh, 20, 30, 40 bars that we made, we needed to make a pretty substantial steel supply order. And that was for the steel plates that we had that the engineer and I got together with and figured out exactly how big the plates needed to be. Um, so that they could be slipped on. And there's a process about how to go about doing that so that you basically put the plates on first. Um, put hex bolts through the plates and then um, pour and then pour the concrete and we have um, propri- proprietary material that goes in the concrete to make it stronger so that it doesn't just like break when it hits other concrete <laughs> um, and then we would 
put it in upside down, set it, and then flip it, and then do the other side the same way. Um, and so, yeah, bending these bars became a source of cardio for me, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it seriously was. Like, I would, I would, I would set up the, the bar bender and put the bar on it, and then I'd have to pump 20 times in one spot, flip it 20 times in another spot, flip it 20 times in another spot, flip it 20 times in another spot, flip it eight times on the end, flip it eight times on the other end, and then I would have basically a V-shaped bar with a bunch of bends in it, and then just bend the middle down to where it needed to be. So that would be, um, so obviously I've done this a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. and I got it down to about four or five minutes per bar and I would literally get my heart rate up from doing that and I would get a good back workout. Like I would bend down and, and, and get nice and low on it. So I'd be hitting all lats and everything. And, <laughs> uh, and I would, I, I literally counted that as cardio. So, well, this is cool. Cause like everybody that didn't have their own gym and you know, was stuck training at the house with resistance bands and body weights i mean they can appreciate this because it's like there's nothing that beats the the feel of like a good dumbbell or a good barbell or just something that's that's like an actual weighted resistance you know object and you know the body weight's great the bands are great i mean those those have been a godsend for people that have been affected by the pandemic but you just said okay i'm gonna make my own weights and you just went for it you made it into a business which is pretty freaking awesome yeah, it was it was fun. It's like it's it's a, it's a weird feeling where you're like, okay, I'm getting a workout in right now, making stuff to work out with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 you're you're shipping now all over the U.S. or what's what's that setup like currently? Yeah, uh, we, so we we use Shopify. You use Shopify too, so you, so you know all about it. But dude, Shopify is dope, man. They mm-hmm. they. Um, they, they have great UPS rates, and so um, we're able to, we're we're able to use our Shopify discount wherever we can, and um, yeah, shipping to um, all of the United States, shipping to Canada. Canada's expensive though, so we try so we kind of cheat with Canada. Um, I have some friends and some connections that go to Vancouver, BC, from time to time. So mm-hmm. when I know when I go there, um, I send them off with my stuff that's going to Canada because shipping across the border is the worst. And so they'll take them across the border for me and then they'll drop ship them from some, from, from a shipping point in Vancouver, BC to Saskatchewan or to wherever it's going after that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Shipping, shipping is no joke, man. Shipping has been a, a headache and a half for sure, but just kind of yeah. part of business without a doubt, especially e-commerce business. Um, yeah, and if it's going very far too, it needs to be packed up tight, and that could and it, it takes an hour to package something that's going to go a long, long distance. So mm-hmm. the boxes that we get, are, I don't know if you guys have Uline down here, but that's kind of the main yeah, shipping Uline. company that we use. Oh, okay, yeah. So they have these boxes that are double walled and super duty. Mm-hmm. Um, double walled means it's two pieces of cardboard together. So every wall within the box is basically doubled up. It's like it's it's like it's like a cardboard box on steroids. So that's the shipping box that we use. And then um, around the outside goes gaffer tape, which is kind of like duct tape, but it's stronger and I think it looks better. Um, and then the bubble wrap that we use, we gotta really bubble these these things up hard because UPS is ruthless with their with our shipping and handling. So. Um, if, if there's something in there that can break, it probably will break. So just to be safe, we basically make these things like mummies by the time that they're done. And then um, 
reinforce it with cardboard on the inside as much as possible. We use spray adhesive, which is basically like spray super glue, um, and get it as tightly packaged and protected as we can. Um, and then by that time it's, I don't know, I, I feel like I, I take pride in my work. And so I look at that and I'm like, man, that was a, that was, that was a job just getting that box put together. So no, that's, that's how it should be though, man. Take pride in what you're doing for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, we want the unboxing to be a big experience too. So we have a Skullbells stencil that I um, made just by printing off computer paper and then cutting the stencil out um, so that it says Skullbells on each side of the box. We want it to be like, you know, like when you get a, when you get a box that says Nordstrom on it, like you're amped, you know, or your wife when she gets a box from like her favorite shoe company and it has the name of the company on it, like you just you can't wait to tear into it. And that's what we want our customers to see is to have that same sort of like oh my god my box is here so. for sure man for sure what's what's uh what's next in the pipeline like are you gonna expand the product line there or what are you thinking yeah next in the pipeline is um something about is, is a new product that we have coming out that i don't want to talk about on the air <laughs> top secret <laughs> well yeah we, well we got to get it protected first um but it's going to be um it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to be a, basically a, a new type of bumper plate. So, um, that's going to be the next step. And yeah, we eventually want to have a skull cable set up, a skull, this skull, that team skull bells, um, skull bells is going to be, uh, this is just the beginning as far as the, um, as far as the product end of things goes, um, podcast, pushing the podcast hard because that's going to be one of the best ways to, uh, to grow our brand, which is, you know, what, you, what you've done and what Onnit Fitness has done too, right? Onnit was, I think, five, six years ago is when they started. And now they're worth $30 million, $29 million, last I checked. And their podcast was a big marketing move to um, to the growth that they saw. So that's one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm having people like you on the show, um, comedians on the show, and trying to make it like a Joe Rogan style experience kind of thing where we have a variety of guests and uh, motivation, entertainment, all that good stuff. Um, other than that, um, yeah, the, doing the meal prep anymore, right? No, not doing the meal prep anymore. COVID-19 pretty much took care of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It took care yeah. of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. It just destroyed all the demand for everything because people were working from home. They really didn't need the prep anymore. And, um, it didn't really need our services as much. And honestly, we were kind of burnt out and sick of it too. And yeah, that makes I, sense. Yeah, I don't know how you and Crystal do the food service, man, because the regulations around that and all the red tape, I'm just like, uh, at least if we, yeah, there's, there's liability around our products too, but not to the degree that you guys have to deal with, I'm sure. So <laughs> Yeah, food food products is another beast for sure. But, you know, every business, you know, enterprise, every industry has got its hurdles, roadblocks and obstacles. You just take them as they come, figure out what you got to do and keep on trucking, man. Yeah. I'm excited for you though. It's cool to see the, the skull bells taking off. It's cool to see it, you know, develop the brand, grow the brand. So I'm excited to have got in on the on the beginning of it, man, and just see where it goes. Yeah, you're you're one of the first ones. Got one of the first prototypes. So we'll we'll, we'll send we'll send you some iron pairs when they come in. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Well, I'll, I'll lift with pride. we using those for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome, Cole. Where, where can people go to find out more about you? Buy some skull bells and just keep on following the journey, man. Yeah, uh, everything everything that we have is at supersetylife.com. It's where you can find out about us, about, about the products, uh, podcast information. Um, our podcast is on iTunes and uh, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. So 
That is the supersetyourlife.com, one word, podcast, uh, just like bodybuilding.com. And then I'm on Instagram at Colt Milton, C-O-L-T-M-I-L-T-O-N. It's Colt just like the gun. Um, and then uh, superset, and then superset your life on Instagram too. Awesome, man. Well, I will certainly link out to those and keep in touch, man. If there's anything I can do to help with anything that you're working on, business, whatever, just let me know. Oh man, you you already have more than you know. Just just keep keep these podcasts coming out, man. I eat all of them up, and when uh, yeah, and whenever your new book comes out, man, um, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm sure you're gonna post it, so it's gonna be the um, whatever I'm reading at the time. I'm gonna set aside and um, tear that thing apart once your contest prep book is out. So can't I, wait for that. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's coming along, so I'll let you know when when it's live for sure. Okay. See you, brother.